Welcome to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Eric Capelli. This month we are rounding off, so we're starting Advent, rounding off a sermon series, and the title of the series for this past month is All for Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been so helpful through the words of prophecy to illuminate the Word of God to us so that we know that we know that we know the Lord is speaking to us. Also, the gift of preaching is the gift of prophecy. It's not just my words. It is the Lord who is trying to communicate to our hearts. He means business. The Lord is looking for his church to rise up like never before. And the Lord wants to use all of us in that equation. Oftentimes, we can refer to ourselves as Christians and we can say things like, well, you know, I go to church. No, we don't go to church. We are the church. And I want this to be the prevailing mindset through which we operate, that we are the church when we are home. We are the church when we are at work. We are the church when we are driving in the traffic jam we don't want to be in. We are the church no matter where we are, no matter what season of our life we are going through. And we're not just the church as an individual, even though that's important, but we are part of the church collectively. Now, in the English language, we just say the church. The church can mean the building, the church can mean the people, or it can mean the congregation. However, in other languages like German or even the Dutch language, there was this clear separation that came around the time of the Second World War, where they said, no, like church is a building. So we're giving that the word, and in, in, in German it's Kirsch, and in, in, in Dutch it's Kerk. And then they have another word, gemeinte or gemeinte, and those words are the church community. That the church is not seen as solely the building. The church is the gathering of believers. And that gathering can take place any day of the week, any time of day, any moment, and with any medium possible. Not a medium like a weirdo, a medium like social media, the telephone, a visit. And so because of that, you and I are not part of this invisible church. You and I are what make up the visible church on earth. Jesus had a master plan and strategy, and you and I are a part of that plan. Jesus left because he said, when I send the Holy Spirit, you will do greater things than what I did. He didn't ascribe that to just one individual. He ascribed that to all of us. All of us are part of the visible church of Jesus here on earth. And do you know what the world needs? The world needs us. The world needs a fresh move of God to sweep through the church, meaning you and I, all over again. See, COVID tried to push the church into these secret little corners, into isolation. But thank God, the Spirit of God that lives within us is pushing us out again. Thank God, the Spirit of God is making us realize we need the Lord more than we've ever needed Him before. And so we can bless God for that, that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. The early church knew this. They understood that they were the very representation of Jesus on earth. And so because of that, one thing that they highly valued was this lovely Greek word koinonia. Koinonia is literally translated from the Greek from the word koinonia. 
which refers to concepts like fellowship, participation, sharing with anything that we have. It is a gift that is jointly given, a collection, a contribution. It also identifies the idealized state of fellowship and unity that should exist within the church, which is the body of Christ. And yes, I did take that definition from Wikipedia. I searched every theological journal I could, and none of them could kind of explain it in layman's terms. A few weeks ago when Pastor Zach preached, he talked about fellowship, and he joked because he said anytime Christians say fellowship, they associate it with food. But Christian fellowship is something that is much deeper than food. Christian fellowship is something that runs deeper than in your veins. When I grew up, we grew up in a pretty close-knit Italian-American community. I'm a Rhode Islander, so what that means is one out of every six people is related to one another. Yes? You cannot escape your family members. And if you can't escape them, you're running into someone who knows them. You are pegged on every side. And so when we were kind of not being loyal to our family or to someone who was a family friend, we would hear from our relatives and those who knew us, blood is thicker than water. Did you ever hear that growing up? Meaning if someone goes against your family, you make sure you stand up for them. However, I developed a new expression. And it's more than blood is thicker than water. I want you to know that what binds us is spirit. And spirit is thicker than water. And spirit is thicker than blood. You and I are family on the very grounds of the spirit of Jesus living inside of us. And if that doesn't bind us together, I don't know what will. See, we can make things all nice and pretty. We can give you the music you want to hear and decorate things and do events the way you like them, but we are not a social club. We are a family, and this family is based upon the sacrifice of Jesus and the coming of the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God living and dwelling within us. You know, people are becoming more and more dissatisfied with church, and it's more the program of church. See, church goes a lot deeper than a lot of things that we've said and done over the past decades. See, there's a new generation that's rising up, and Fuller Theological Seminary has done some studies on what people are looking for in church. And I don't think anything has changed in the past 2,000 years. It says a new generation wants churches to be community centers in which people are free to be their authentic selves and to dialogue about controversial questions, wrestling with the word of God and caring for each other's needs and the needs of their neighbors, utilizing and valuing the gifts and the contributions of each person, meeting God mystically in deeply emotional and expressional worship, doing the hard work of reconciliation when we sin against each other and standing for justice for the poor and the marginalized. I love this particular idea of what church should be. And it's not what church should be. Can I tell you the truth? This is what church is. 
Church goes beyond a program. Church goes beyond the building. Church is the way that you act and react to what Jesus has done on the inside of your life. And when Jesus has full control over who you are, it affects all those around you. Let's look and see what Jesus himself said. If we could stand this morning as we read the word of God, John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, you can find one in the pew in front of you. I love to hear the rustling of the pages. John has found if you split the Bible in the middle and then start looking in the New Testament, it's four books in, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John. Jesus says the following. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. No greater love has anyone than this, that someone is willing to lay down their life for their friend. Jesus, we pray. We pray this morning that as we say, we are your church, we are the visible community here on earth, we pray that your love would mark our life. The very love that you have loved us with, help us to love one another with that fiery love. Lord, burn it into our hearts today, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. See, God has a calling that's going out there. God is calling us to fellowship, this koinonia with one another. He's calling, to us to, he's calling us to this on earth because this reflects the very culture of heaven. When we are together as believers, do you realize we are reflecting heaven in that? That is one of the things that I absolutely love. I love first service, don't get me wrong, but I love our second service because we're represented by people of every culture from all kinds of nations. And when we come together here and we begin to worship the Lord, we are representing what heaven actually looks like. And it becomes our mission. The mission of the gospel is too big a task for us to do on our own. And that is why God collectively calls us to a sharpening standard of unity. This was a statement recently taken from Salvation Army's magazine about community. See, God is calling us. We've oftentimes within our movement, especially in the beginning of the 1900s, we talked a lot about me and I. You are called. What is God's plan for your life? And we need to learn to get past that. We've individualized the gospel. We've individualized church to the point where it only becomes about me. And when it's not the way I want or the way I like it, well, then I just step out of the equation. You've got people nowadays that think that they can be Christians and just stay at home all by themselves. Christianity was never meant to be an island. Christianity was meant to be lived out like a village, that we are together, that we are a family with one another. We cannot fake Christianity on our own. We were called to community. We were called to be together. Even the people you don't like so much. They are part of the call of God on your life. Even people that think or act differently than you do, they are part of the call of God on your life. And do you want to know the honest to God truth? You can't do this without them. 
You cannot do this walk without brothers and sisters in Christ. You cannot do this if it's just monocultural. You're just in your own little culture. Jesus needs to break you out of that and show you he is bigger than just God in the micro. He is God of the macro. He is God of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And when we begin to understand this, this is when we begin to grow. The church has done somewhat of a disservice over time. We focused our attention on kind of flashy pastors and ministries and worship leaders and if they dress this way and do this, and they become the role model and example. And I want to tell you something. I never want Bethel to be a place that people come because they love our music only. I don't want it to be a place that people come because they go, oh, that Eric, we like him this week. I don't know if you're not going to like me next week. I'm going to be honest with you. When it comes down to it, I want you to come to this place. I want you to give your all to a place like Bethel. Why do I want you to do it? Because I believe in us. I believe that you are a great church, not because of a program, but because of who the Spirit of God is in all of us collectively. We will not and cannot do it without you. The first way that we become this visible community is when we learn that we are churches on elbow level with one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 19, verse 26, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, What then, brothers and sisters? Whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is done for the building up. Paul believed in show and tell. Did you guys ever do show and tell? When you were in your younger years at school, they would make you come to the front with something you liked and do a presentation of what that is. I want you to understand something. Church is supposed to be a little bit of show and tell. Not show and tell about how great you are, but a show and tell that every time we gather together, every one of you has something to contribute. See, we've relegated everything to this space right here or to a few individuals. God has poured out his spirit on all of you, and he desires to use you. That is why I love when people have words of prophecy or they read a scripture or they begin to sing a song because what you are doing is you are contributing to what we refer to as the body of Christ. Every time you contribute, also what you're doing is you are building it up. If I didn't know better, I would think God is a bodybuilder or an architect because he loves building. He loves to build on people. He loves to build through us. He wants to create something so beautiful in each and every one of us, and he wants us to come prepared. I remember one time I was sitting in history class in my senior year, it was an advanced kind of college class. And the guy behind me, he was a know-it-all. So he's sitting at his desk, and he's rocking his chair kind of like up and down. And, you know, it's the chair with the desk attached to it. And the teacher was trying to be very nice. And our teacher was actually an expert. So even though he was a high school teacher, he was also a university professor who taught history as well. And so this young man, thinking he was a know-it-all, was not taking notes. And finally the teacher said to him, can you knock off this baby S? And he used that word. And he said, and get out your notebook and start taking notes because I don't think you know more than I do. 
And see, that is the mentality as believers. We have people that come to Christ, they grow in Christ, and they think they're know-it-alls. They say, oh, I've been saved 30 years, 40 years, 60 years. And they're always trying to outdo someone. I want you to know the longer that you are in Christ, the more powerful you should be. The longer you are in Christ, the more prepared you should be. You should not be like this snotty little young man that just sits back in the church service, folds your arms and think, well, I know it all. Well, if you know it all, start to show it all. If you know it all, let your words match your actions and come full of the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God desires to work through us. It is not I am called. We are called. We are holy. We have a holy destiny with one another. I love the following that Don McKinnon wrote regarding this kind of church at elbow level. And he said, all Christians share the same baptism, the same gospel, the same faith in Christ. We are all equal in Christ, and we are all priests in Christ on the basis of our being baptized into Christ Jesus, Romans 6.3. We are all children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ, Galatians 3.26-27. It is in baptism, the gospel, and faith in Christ that creates Christian people who are priests to each other, a priest at every elbow, a priest at every elbow. God has been calling us for a long time to become a royal priesthood. In the development of the church after 300, the church became very institutionalized. The ministry was given only over to priests. They were the only ones who could read and interpret scripture. All of a sudden, the Protestant Reformation breaks out, and people like Martin Luther and Calvin and Swingley, they are talking about this concept that they call the priesthood of all believers. They believe that the call and the anointing of God rested on every believer, but because they had not seen it, because they were so far removed from the book of Acts, they didn't know what it needed to look like, so the church just kind of carried on. And all of a sudden, around 1908, this young lady in a Bible school in Topeka, Kansas, receives the infilling of the Holy Spirit. She begins to speak in other tongues, and then they're interpreted. And all of a sudden, the fires of Pentecost are blowing, not only all over the United States, but all over the world. God's hand began to rest upon children and old people, people of all different cultural backgrounds, and the church began to come alive again. That was the representation of the priesthood of all believers. And can I tell you something? It's one of the main reasons why my wife and I returned to the United States. When we were originally come to church services in the U.S., people would have a word. There would be tongues, interpretation. The gifts of the Spirit were flowing. And as we were itinerating in the U.S., we saw that get less and less and less. People would be prayed up coming to church. We'd come in, everyone would be sad in the Lord. And we were like, Lord, this cannot be the state of your church in the United States. We believe that an awakening needs to arise within us, that we need to believe that God has called us, destined us, and set us apart for something so much bigger than the mundane of our daily lives. We are called to be that priesthood. 
The second area that he is wanting us to realize that we are the church is also on a global level. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26, it said, Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, then all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, we're really good sometimes, and I pastor churches of people that love to be pathetic with one another. Now, they're really good at pity. They love pitying people. And I think that that's a good thing. I think when someone is sad, we need to be sad with them. When someone is going through it, we need to get down there at their level and bring them through that time. Why? Because we are the body. Have, have you ever stubbed your pinky toe by any chance? Like, did you ever realize how much you need it and feel it after you stub that toe? Come on. The whole body is necessary. We like to determine who we think is important or not important. God says the whole body is important. Whether you think you're someone great in Jesus or you think that you're the least of the least, Jesus says you are important to me. You have a function. So when you hurt, the whole body should feel it. I think we're good at that to some degree, to some degree. Why? Why do I say to some degree? Well, I know that there's a difference between when I get hurt or when someone in the church that you don't know gets hurt. See, all the love and prayers and affection get poured out on me, and I thank you for it. But there are those sometimes that hurt in our midst, and because we don't know them or know their name or they're not preaching up here, they don't get that same kind of love and attention and affection. But see, that's how the body should work. What I have seen a deficit in is Christians actually being happy for each other. See, it's easy to have pity on someone. We like having pity because that means that someone is less fortunate than we are. But how do we respond to people that are more fortunate than we are? Can you genuinely rejoice with those that are rejoicing? Can you sit in someone else's brand new car and be happy for them as you're squishing into their leather interior? Can you be happy when you walk into their brand new home? Can you be happy when someone gets what you don't have, when they get the job that you wanted? Can you genuinely be joyful? Can you be joyful when you see your brothers and sisters joyful in Jesus? Jesus. Can you be joyful when you see the Spirit of God moving through their life or you just get jelly? Rejoice. Rejoice with those that rejoice. And this body is not just the body of Christ in America. The body of Christ is represented in every culture and every people group all over the world. As your pastor, and I am an American and I love this country, However, I am also a representative of the kingdom of God. Sometimes people find that very hard, like they, they want to make me into some political figure. I have people that try to politicize my pulpit, just so you know. And normally I don't say too much, but I took a few months to think about some things. And I hear comments, I hear things roll sometimes with people. I am not a political entity. I am a representative of the kingdom of God. And so in that, I will always respond kingdom-minded. You know, there was a little bit, and I don't say this, but I say this to prove a point that we are part of the body globally. When the church in Afghanistan was suffering, 
I joined a prayer meeting together for our encounter service, and we devoted it to praying for Afghanistan. I want you to know that some people were not too thrilled with me for that. And they were not thrilled because they wanted to get together and pray for America. And I say to people, I pray for America every Sunday when I'm here. When I'm praying for you, I hope that you're in America because that means I'm praying for this country. Every time we gather for encounter, we are praying for this country. But the reason I prayed for Afghanistan is because the body in Afghanistan was hurting. And because they were hurt, I was hurt. See, the women in Afghanistan, they couldn't go to church. Our ladies could still come here. Those ladies there had to worry about being violated by terrorists. Our children could come to Sunday school. Their children didn't know if they were going to be starved or sold. See, and that's the reason that I prayed is because when my brothers or sisters are hurting, even though I've never stepped foot in Afghanistan, even though I only know a few Afghan people, the Spirit of God inside of me was concerned and filled with compassion because God loves people that you don't even know. God loves nations you've never even heard about. And because you don't look at a globe doesn't mean that God doesn't. God is concerned for all people, all nations. And so God is calling us to minister to people domestically, but also internationally. We've heard missionaries speak, and we keep using this terminology, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And you know what? I like it, but it also rubs me the wrong way. Because everything I do for Jesus is not a sacrifice. It is a privilege. It is not a sacrifice. For the early church, it was the normal pace of their evangelistic work. The use of our finances, of vacation time, or even a vocational calling in fulfilling the Great Commission should become commonplace for our churches. Lord, all that I am, use it for your glory. After all, as members of God's kingdom, everything we do is spiritual and cross-cultural. As Westerners, we like to categorize everything. This is spiritual. This is practical. No, it's not. Everything we do is spiritual. Every task that people fulfill in this church is spiritual. Every moment you breathe is spiritual. Your flesh and your body are going to die, but your spirit will live forever. So everything you do is spiritual because you are a spirit. And so when you do it, the Bible says, do it as unto the Lord. God wants to use your giftings and abilities to be a blessing. It is always beneficial to the church to share the gospel and care for another person's needs. We need to stop the I'm sacrificing for others mentality and go with a we're gaining new brothers and sisters in Christ perspective. I'm sacrificing. I'm sacrificing. Me, 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 me. Do, re, me, 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 me. God wants to change our song to the we, 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 we. And that's not French for yes. It's we, we. God is inviting us to be part of his story. God is inviting us to be part of the story of other people. And Bethel, that's what I want us to be. I want us to be more than just the I. I want us to be the we. I want us to expand ourselves, not for the sake of expansion, but because there are those out there that are dying without Jesus, and we are, and we have the answer. See, how we serve God 
is how we serve those around us. The hurt, the broken, the weeping, the neglected, the voiceless, and frankly, that defines just about all of us. The more we open our eyes to see each other as children of the Most High, the clearer we will be able to see the common cord that binds us together, the hope and glory of Christ. Another beautiful quote from the Salvation Army. Jesus is what binds us. I do what I do, not because I love you all, don't get me wrong. The Lord gives me the strength to love people I barely know. He gives me compassion and the ability to pray for people like they're my own family. But when it comes down to it, what binds me to each of you and what binds you together is the bond of Jesus Christ. It is only upon him through which we stand. We have churches that act like they're churches, but they say there are many ways to heaven. They say, oh, well, there are many revelations in different religions. That is a lie. The only thing that binds you and I together is that precious blood of Jesus and the eternal spirit of God that was poured out upon us. That is what makes us one. That is what causes us to become part of God's family. That is what makes us part of the church universal. The third thing I want to draw to your attention, and I'll try to close it up quickly here, is that we are part of the church also on a heavenly level. Even though you come into this building every week and you see one another and you're thinking this is a grand old time, I want you to know, even though I love worshiping with you, there are moments when I'm worshiping, I'm not really with you. And I'm not a freak or anything like that. You know, I'm not in another planet or something. I just know what the Bible says. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 20 through through 24, when it is talking about the gathering of believers, when it says, do not neglect gathering together as believers, it says, instead, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, into Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. I want you to know something. Every time you come to this building with one another, we are not just singing along with Pastor Noah. We are not just singing along with the worship team. We are not just singing along with the person in the pew next to us or behind us. We are singing together with the choirs of heaven. We are singing together with the angels that worship him 24-7. See, there is continual worship. And when you and I come to this place and we begin to worship, we are joining into a worship service that has been going on since the very creation of the world. When you and I gather together, we are not part of an imperfect church. When you and I gather together, we are part of the church triumphant. All of the saints who have gone on before us in death, they are rejoicing before the throne. And when you rejoice, you rejoice with them. That is why I worship when I get in this place. That is why I lift my hands and can stomp my feet and get all excited because I am part of something that will never end, a kingdom that knows no bounds and a glory that goes on forever and ever. I am worshiping Jesus. Come on. First Corinthians. Verse 12, 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ 
and individual members of it. Colossians 1.18 says, and he, meaning Jesus, is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have the first place in everything. The reason I want to quickly share this with you is, is because there are a lot of people that like to chitter-chatter all the time. I've grown up as a Christian, believe me, I've heard chitter-chatter. I've heard chitter-chatter about fellow Christians, chitter-chatter about leadership, and mind you, not every leader is perfect and does what's right. I'm a realist with that. But there's an attitude through which we should approach those things. And one thing we need to understand about the body of Christ, it is his body. Bethel is his body. You are part of it. And so when you're chitter-chattering about someone in a way that's gossipful or slanderous or whatever way it might be, you are actually saying something about the body of Jesus. The body of Christ, you know what it has on it? The head is not you and it's not me. The head of that body is Jesus. And so when we criticize that body, we are criticizing Jesus. When we have our little comments, we are not just talking about a person. It is about Christ. So when we build it up and when we compliment it and we encourage it and we pray it through, we are actually complimenting Jesus. And man, Jesus, I want to tell you today, you've got a nice body. You've got a nice body. We really like your body, Jesus. You've got a great body. Good job. Bonifer says the following regarding this visible community. He says, I have community with others and shall continue to have it only through Jesus Christ. The more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. The more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. We have only another we, we have only, we have one another only through Jesus. Through Christ, we do have one another holy and for eternity. See, Jesus, he is calling us to break down the walls of divide. We oftentimes think about the differences, and honestly, you might get along with someone on the, right off the bat, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have everything in common. It doesn't mean you're going to like or share the same opinions, but Jesus is calling us to that oneness. He is calling us to be one with him so that he can continue to be one with us. As we transition as Bethel, one important thing that's going to be coming up is in 2022, we are going to be celebrating our 50th anniversary in the month of November. Bethel has been led by beautiful pastors and families and associate pastors and just the church community at large. But going into the new year, we not only want to reflect on who we were, but we have to identify who we are and who we will continue to be. So in the month of January, we'll be hosting kind of like a vision month here at Bethel that will end off the month with this kind of beautiful luncheon and vision presentation. But the reality of the vision that we want to share with you has been kind of defined in our foyer for the last few months. That there are certain values, seven values that we uphold as this community. If we want to be priests at every elbow, if we want to be part of the church globally and heavenly, there are seven things that Bethel wants to maintain. The first one is that we are led by the Holy Spirit. The second one is that we are missionally focused, meaning we are not focused on us, we are focused on them. The third one is, is that we believe in worship in every area of our life. 
The fourth one is we believe in discipleship, meaning turning people into genuine followers of Christ, not just churchgoers. Number five, we are Bible-based, meaning the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Number six, we believe in community. And number seven, we believe in belonging. We will kind of get into these things further in January. If you could stand with me this morning, I want to close out with one final thought from Bonifer. Because Bonifer says, because we are the we story, your positive and negative actions affect us all. All of us, not just, we make it seem like, well, this, you know, church is dependent on that person. No, it's dependent on every single one of us. And so Bonifer said the following, because there were Germans during the Second World War that kind of said, well, you know, we didn't see it, we didn't hear it, so it has nothing to do with us. And he goes, oh, no, 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 you are just as guilty. Your ignorance, you turning a blind eye is just as guilty. You call yourself a Christian and you watch Jewish people being led to trains to death camps. You cannot call yourself a believer. You shut your mouth instead of lifting your voice. I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on that. See, in other countries in Europe, they tried to make it seem like they did not have a part in that. But there was a country. It's called Denmark. It's still there. The Danish prince decided that he was also going to wear a Star of David. And in the capital city, he required all the other citizens to also wear the Star of David. Guess who did not get taken away in Denmark? The Jewish people. Because they all stood together. When we stand for righteousness, when we stand for the kingdom of God, do you know that that's how we eradicate evil? When we stand for God, do you know that that's how we usher in the presence of Jesus? We were made for so much more than what we've been doing. And Bonifer says every act of self-control of the Christian is also a service to the fellowship. On the other hand, there is no sin in thought, word, or deed, no matter how personal or secret, that does not inflict injury upon the whole fellowship. An element of sickness gets into the body. Perhaps nobody knows where it comes from or in what member it is lodged, but the body is infected. We are members of a body, not only when we choose to be, but in our whole existence. Every member serves the whole body of Christ either to its health or its destruction. This is not a theory. It's a spiritual reality. I want to make a pledge this morning. I don't pledge that often. I want you to do something for me. If you can get to your neighbor, and I know it's COVID, but if you're really that scared, you can watch online. If you could just get elbow to elbow, and I mean touch elbows, because we are the body of Christ, and it says at elbow level. And today, I want us to make a promise to the Lord and to one another that we will build this body. We will build not only this body, but we will build the church globally. And we will also build as we worship to reflect the culture of heaven in our midst. We are the body of Christ. And so the pledge that I am making today is, Lord, I choose to build the body. And my giving and my service and my actions and the way I speak and treat others, I am a builder. I'm going to build. Let's pray with one another. Jesus, we come into your presence. And Lord, as we stand elbow to elbow, we realize something, that we are all equal at the foot of the cross. 
There is no division or distinction between man or woman, young or old, rich or poor, slave or free. But we are united in Christ Jesus, and because of that precious Holy Spirit that flows within us, Lord, we are making the commitment to say, I want to be a builder. Lord, use me to build the body of Christ here at Bethel. Use me to build the body of Christ across America and across the globe, but also the body that is represented in heaven. And so, Lord, today, here I am. Here we are as the body. Flow through us. I commit myself afresh and anew. Jesus, we thank you that we are your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need to leave this morning, please do so quietly. We are gonna sing one last song. I'd like to encourage you to stay for that last song because we're gonna sing it at the candlelight service. It's a new one. But I thought that's so appropriate to the time in which we're in right now. So the words will be reflected on the screen. It's pretty easy to sing along. God bless you this morning. Let's go into the Christmas season, really, with Jesus being the reason for the season. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. Head to BethelCC.org to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel Christian Church.